Let me welcome you uh, this morning to uh, Pittman Park Online. I'm Bill Bagwell, the senior pastor of Pittman Park United Methodist Church. And, and I'm Jay Williams, the associate. Uh, we wanted to share with you that uh, we uh, are keeping you in our prayers uh, and the entire community as we deal together with this uh, threat of the coronavirus. Uh, it is a precaution that we are taking in order to, to worship uh, by this online method, um, but we feel like it is an important thing. John Wesley um, had it as his general rules, uh, do no harm, do good, and uh, order your life in order to stay in love with God. And so as we are here, we are seeking to do uh, no harm by exposing anyone to any viruses or germs that may be there. Um, we hope that you will see that it is a very important matter to stay connected with God, to uh, keep our hearts pointed toward God, and to, to uh, let this be an important part of our Sundays, but also through, throughout the week, uh, but also to stay connected with each other. Uh, Jay, can you think of some ways that we can stay connected with each other? I, I really want to uh, underline what you're saying. I think it's important that we stay connected. Um, the Bible says that we shouldn't forsake together and together of the brethren, and, yeah. and and even though we're not able to get together at the church at this point in time, there are a lot of ways that we can still get together. I mean, everybody today uh, carries a cell phone. Uh, you have various numbers in that cell phone, and, and, and I would like to encourage you uh, that this next week to, to just really press in uh, to this connectedness thing, to, 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 try to, to try to call at least five people. You know, there are people that don't have loved ones to check on them. There are people that, that don't have people that they talk to on a, on a everyday basis. And there may be some people that would just like to hear from you. Uh, so if you would uh, take the chance, uh, take the opportunity, I should say, um, to call five people this week and just let them know that, that you want to stay connected, that would be a great thing. A telephone is, is a great way to do that. You can also do FaceTime. Uh, to see a face is a wonderful thing. Um, but also, uh, we have email. Um, the church sends out emails all and the time. We'll be, and we'll be doing that um, over the coming weeks to keep everybody informed. Right. And, and we also have a Facebook page um, that you can, you can look up on, online. And, uh, you know, if you're doing a, a Bible study at home or if you're doing a quiet time and the Lord shows you something, it would be a really good time just to, to post what God shares, to encourage each other. And, and, and we'll also be sending out announcements uh, via uh, Facebook. Uh, there's a lot of ways that we can do this, and I think it's a wonderful time for us to really become inventive uh, with the ways that we can stay connected. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's just a, a, a really unique time, and, and even though it's a time of hardship, it may be a time of great growth for the church. It can be. Um, according to how we uh, put our hearts into this, this could be a very good thing for all of us as we uh, seek to find new ways to stay connected. And I want to uh, encourage uh, you to, uh, to, to attend one gathering that we are going to have, even though we are not uh, going to be having uh, worship services or small groups here at the church. Uh, we have scheduled a neighborhood walk uh, this afternoon at 3.30, and we would uh, welcome anyone who is interested to come and to be a part of that. We entitled it See All the People Neighborhood Walk. Uh, the real intention behind this is that we would simply be in prayer for the community immediately surrounding the church, especially for those uh, this afternoon uh, down uh, North Edgewood and South Edgewood, uh, which is adjacent here to the church. Uh, but 
we want to be uh, thinking about the, the entire city of Statesboro and the county of, of Bullock that we uh, live in. And we, we want to be aware of the world around us. And so if you would like to be a part of this, just show up and we'll be happy to, to uh, guide you with that uh, at 3.30 this afternoon. As we move into worship together, um, let me say that, that we have the chance to share together as a congregation that worships in different ways. We're going to begin the service together with, with a moment of prayer, uh, but then we will have a hymn that will lead us into uh, then two reflections, one by myself and then the, the next by Jay, and we will close the service with a contemporary worship song uh, that has been selected. Um, if you feel moved to sing, uh, we encourage you to sing right along. The words will be on the screen. Uh, let this be a time of worship uh, for all of us. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Thank you, Holy Father, for all that you're doing in our midst right now. We are grateful for the ways in which your Spirit guides us, especially in difficult times. We lift up our hearts to you and we praise you and we thank you for your goodness. We know that you are present among us and that you will lead us through this challenge. We ask, Father, that you would be with us in this time of worship. Help us feel, to feel connected with each other. And bless those among us who are worried and are filled with anxiety. Give us hearts of peace. And Lord, we lift up to you those who are vulnerable especially. Uh, keep them in your care and protect us all uh, from this virus that can do its harm. Uh, bless us, Lord. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
so good to be here and to uh, share this time with all of you this morning. Uh, we had intended from the very first of this uh, planning for this service to focus on the, uh, the third of uh, five essential practices that we're walking through during this season of Lent. And this Sunday we are focusing on the, the matter of service. Uh, there is um, in our uh, Methodist hymnal a covenant prayer that John Wesley gave to us uh, over 200 years ago now. And uh, these are the words that are printed in the hymnal. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low by thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And what a powerful prayer this is, and one that John Wesley used uh, with the early Methodists in order to instill within them the culture of doing for others. You picked up on that phrase um, near the first of that prayer, didn't you? Put me to doing. Some of you also will remember that at the first of the year, 
we have made it a practice to pray this prayer together, whether it is in traditional worship or whether it is in contemporary worship. We have embraced this prayer and made it a part of who we are. Wesley's aim was to establish a pattern of caring for others, of being focused upon God and reaching out in concern to others. How is it that we are committed this day in the midst of this crisis, this uh, uh, crisis that we are encountering right now with the appearance of this uh, coronavirus and this public health issue, how is it that we are pulled to know what to do? It can be so confusing. Uh, there's a passage in Ephesians, uh, the second chapter, verse 10, that I want to read for us right now. The Apostle Paul is sharing, and he says, For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Is that our way of life? I know that we want it to be. But it is something that we must actively embrace. And I encourage you to do that this morning, once again, to pray this prayer that we might be actively involved in caring for others who are in need. Do you remember that story of Jesus very near the end of his ministry? In fact, it was immediately before he came into Jerusalem riding on that donkey, that great uh, parade of persons that were shouting his praise and laying down their cloaks as a carpet leading into town. Um, just before the occurrence of that parade, Jesus was approached by the mother of James and John, two of his disciples. In fact, she knelt down before Jesus and he asked her, what is it that you want? And she said, I want, Lord, that you would have one of my sons, when you come into your glory, to sit upon your right hand and then the other to sit at your left. And with that, Jesus began to share with her, you have no idea what you are asking. They will have special places of honor, he was assuring her, but you don't know exactly what you're asking. This story is filled with a sense of where God is leading all of us. When the ten disciples, who were not a part of this equation to start with, in the mother of James and John making the request, when the ten disciples heard about it, it says in the scripture that they were completely incensed by what they heard. They were angry with the two brothers that their mother would represent them in this way. But Jesus called to them and said, as it's recorded in Matthew 20, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be saved, served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Throughout my life, I've always had great respect for the Salvation Army and the work that it does. I had an aunt who served as a major in the Salvation Army, and in fact, uh, she was just so fascinating uh, to, uh, to be around because she had such care and concern for the poor. Um, I have, through the years, 
uh, been as active as I possibly could be, uh, ringing bells for the Salvation Army at Christmas time and assisting where there were opportunities in other ways at, uh, at clothing centers and on boards. Um, I remember two occasions particularly in which I was um, helping uh, in relationship to the Salvation Army. One had to do with ringing bells at a Walmart. I saw from across the parking lot someone approaching who had a big smile on their face as they came toward the kettle. I rang the bell and they got closer and closer. Finally, they were waving at me before they had even arrived. I could tell that they were eager to put a donation into that little slot at the top of the barrel. And uh, in the process of their doing that, they said to me, you have no idea. And I said, I, I have no idea. They said, you have no idea. And they said they had been cared for by the Salvation Army. Their family had been. When they were just a child, the Salvation Army saw their desperate situation and came to bring them gifts at Christmas time. And she said that it meant so much uh, to get them through the season. She said, I will always remember the Salvation Army. Another occasion with the Salvation Army was when I was cooking hot dogs on a grill just outside of one of the clothing centers over in Vidalia, Georgia. There wasn't much property there, but there were, uh, there were a few feet left at the edge of the property line outside the door where we were grilling those hot dogs. One of the clients of the Salvation Army that had been into the store and had grown to love uh, the Salvation Army even more than, than I had a, uh, a love for it, uh, said to me while we were standing there beside the grill, uh, she, she said, I want to be buried here. I said, you want to be buried here in Vidalia? No, she said, no, 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 no. She said, I want to be buried here. And I looked at her with disbelief and she pointed to the ground upon which we were standing. I said, you want to be buried right here at Salvation Army. She said, this organization means so much to me. It has been salvation in my life. I want to be buried on this ground upon which we stand. It was uh, those two encounters that made me know that the Salvation Army is doing something right. I take great pride in knowing that the Salvation Army was birthed out of the Methodist Church. It is a reminder to all of us of what we are called to do. Our song should be, put me to doing. Lord, whatever it may be, put me to doing. At Pittman Park, we don't have to reinvent this. In fact, it's a part of who we are. It is our DNA. It permeates every ounce of, of our being. And yet, we should all seek to sustain it. This is an important part of what represents us as God's people. We are called to serve. Just as is shared with those who were Jesus' disciples just before he entered Jerusalem, and also as the Apostle Paul made clear in his encouragement to be a people of service, even as Christ had served. You and I are called to give our lives in service for the sake of others. God's blessings. Good morning. Good morning. I want to start off with some scripture. 
We're in Ephesians 2.10 and it reads, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared for us in advance to do. We're in a season in the church called Lent. And in Lent, uh, we have some interesting traditions. Uh, one of the, the first is Ash Wednesday. And we come to the church and we kneel at an altar. And the pastor puts his thumb in ashes. And he makes the mark of a cross on our forehead and says to us, From dust you came, and to dust you will return. Lent is a time that we think about our mortality. It's a time we think about the brevity of life. And it's a time... We think about how much distance there is between us and our Creator, whether we're at peace with Him or not. You know, this year, more than any other year I can remember, those words weigh far heavier. From dust we came, and to dust we return. I know you're like me. You've watched all the news broadcasts. You know what's going on in Europe. You know what's going on in China. You know what's happening here in the United States. And you probably go out to the stores or have been out in social areas and you've heard the conversation about uh, why are people stockpiling toilet paper and then you get these texts or these emails that say we're going to cancel sports, uh, we're going to cancel your civic events and now we're going to cancel church. And it, to use a phrase that, that younger folks use, it's getting real. You know, uh, this idea of from dust we came and to dust we will return. Well, this morning's passage is talking about doing good works. Uh, you've got chaos all around you. You've got people um, thinking about their families, and you've got people thinking about themselves. You've got people running to Walmart and stocking up on this and that and the other thing, and everybody seems to be in a state of, I need to take care of me. And when you're in that state, the last thing that you're thinking about is doing the good work that God has called us to do. And I think there's the rub. I think that, that as Christians, I believe this is a time for the church to shine. This is the time where it talks about in Psalms 23, it says that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because he's with us. It's what's said in Psalms 91. He is our strength and he is our, our refuge. It is where it says that we live under the shadow of his wing. It's what, what it says in Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors through Christ. In a time like this, where there's so much darkness, it is a wonderful time for the church to shine. Now, how can we do that? Well, when I was teaching, I ran across a, a, a concept in Ed Syke, and, and it was called um, Maslow's Hierarchy. And Maslow's hierarchy stated that there were certain needs that all human beings needed to have met in order for them to be able to attend to anything else. You know, things like physiological needs and safety needs and love needs and esteem needs and, and, and a need uh, to, to be able to grow and express themselves. And the professors used to say, if your children have something missing in this hierarchy, they probably won't be able to hear what you have to say about science or social studies or math. And I think the same is true for the Christian. I think God wants us to attend to some other things. I think that, that he's got works for us to do. However, if we're missing the basic needs, 
I think we're going to be tempted to try to take care of ourselves. I think we're going to be tempted to try to, to, to look after me and mine and, and become internal and really become selfish. So how do we get to a place where we know that our needs are taken care of so that we can go and take care of the needs of others? Well, in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. The Bible says that, that through Jesus Christ, He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. That's what it says. You say, well, I don't feel like my needs are met. This is one of the things that I absolutely love about Jesus. Not only that he died on the cross, but the Bible calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. And one of my favorite stories about Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is facing sure destruction. And in that moment, he has a choice. Does he look after himself or does he choose to trust God? And you know the way the story goes. He says, God, if, if this cup can pass from me, let's do that. But not my will, but yours be done. In other words, God, I trust you. That even if this thing kills me, that you'll redeem it. You see, we have some promises. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're in a relationship with God and you're drawing your needs from him, you're seeking to get your needs met in him on a daily basis, then guess what? Everything's going to work together for your good. And in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the fear, then all of a sudden we can be like a city set on a hill. We can be a, a shining, bright beacon that, that, that shines the glory of God. Because we know that we're taken care of. Now, how do we get from the scripture to actually feeling it in our own life? Well, you know, I don't want to use an overused word, relationship. So let's use the word experience. When I was teaching uh, physical science, uh, I, I had these three questions up on my wall. They were why, they were how, and they were proven. And one day a kid came in and he was talking about what he had seen on, on TV. And he said, Mr. Williams, I saw this thing on TV and it was kind of cool, but I think it was fake. And I said, well, what was it? He said, there was a guy that was laying on a bed of nails. And he said, I, I think it was fake. And I said, no, that wasn't fake. He said, why? I said, because it was physics. And he said, how? And I said, well, it has to do with area and pressure and, and all that. And, and I didn't see it coming. But before I could get finished saying it, he said, prove it. And I knew what I had to do. So that day on the way home from work, I stopped and got a four by eight sheet of plywood and a lot of tenpenny nails. And I went home and me and two of my teenage neighbors pounded hundreds of nails into this, this board to make a bed of nails. I'm telling you that story because I had, I understood the physics behind the bed of nails. I even had taught the physics on the bed of nails. I knew for a fact that you could lay on that bed of nails and not be harmed. <laughs> but now it was time for me to lay on the bed of nails. And honestly, there was anxiety. Okay, there was fear. 
um, there were hundreds of little sharp reasons uh, that told me I needed to be concerned. But I had to save face in front of the two kids that had just helped me pound all those nails. And I laid on the bed of nails for the first time. The next day at school, I laid on the bed of nails and explained the physics. I laid on the bed of nails every year from then on out in my classroom. I even laid on the bed of nails at the state conference, uh, the state science teachers conference and the national uh, science teachers conference. And to this day, I can lay on a bed of nails without any anxiety whatsoever. Why? Because I know what to expect from the bed of nails because I've experienced it over and over. And the same is true for the Christian. We, as we walk with Christ, we develop these experiences. And, and it starts off in, in, in faith in his word, but it ends up in trust based on what we've seen and how he's been faithful to us time and time again. If you're sitting here this morning and you know that God has lifted your head, you know that God has given you grace and loved you in times where you're not lovable. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has encouraged you and built you up and, and that by the, the death on the cross for Jesus, you're saved. If you have those kind of experiences, uh, then you're on your way to peace. Now, what does this have to do with works? Well, once we understand that all of our needs are, are met in Christ... In other words, that, that God is able to redeem everything, that God's able to, to take care of us in every way. Then all of a sudden, we don't have to think about taking care of us anymore. We now can take care of the needs of those around us, people that are hurting, people that don't have hope, people that don't know the love of Christ. So how do we do that? Well, pick up the phone. Maybe there's an elderly person near you that that is in a high-risk bracket, and you can go to the grocery store for them. Or, or maybe it's uh, shoot a friend on Facebook, uh, you know, uh, to let them know that you're thinking about them, that you're praying for them. You, you know, listen to, to the voice of God. Now, I'm saying that, but right now there's this huge voice all around us that says, be afraid, be afraid. And I'm not telling you, not to be wise, not to take care of your family. But what I am telling you is not to listen to that voice that says you have to live in fear, but to listen to the voice that says, I got this. I'm with you. Follow me. All things are going to work together for good if you love me and are called according to my purpose. Now, I'm not saying that you won't get sick. I'm not saying that, that the peace of Christ is going to come on you some, in some mystical way. And you're never going to feel stress. But what I am telling you is that we have a promise. A promise that we don't have to live in fear. A promise that God will take care of us. And a promise that regardless of what happens, God is good and he'll redeem it. You may be watching this this morning and you're saying, Jay, I haven't developed that kind of relationship with God. Well, it's not too late. But it starts today. And I will tell you that he is faithful and he is good and you can trust him. And the best way to start out is to say, hey, listen, my way has not been working. I, I trust your way. And to turn your life over to him and, and to follow him in every way that you can. Because in that, 
we have peace. We can have the things that we need. It's kind of like when I, oh, when, when my kids were young, uh, we used to go to Walmart and, and they would say, well, I don't want to go to Walmart. I don't have any money. And I said, you know what? You don't need money. You have a daddy. And it's, it's, it's kind of like that. We don't have to worry because we have a father that loves us. We're taken care of so that we can take care of others. I want to leave you with this. Jesus said it like this. I've told you these things so that you may be in peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Don't meditate on the voices that say, be afraid. Meditate on the one that says, I've got this. And then knowing that you're taken care of, take care of others. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet. Between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain reminding me. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the world, you guard my soul. See the future I picture slowly fade away And when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face I find my peace in Jesus' name Holy God, we thank you that we have peace in Jesus. And because of that peace, we know that we don't have to take care of ourselves. We don't have to worry and we don't have to be in fear. Father, you set us free so that we can take care of the needs of others. Thank you so much for your promises. The promise that all things will work together for good for those that love you and are called according to your purpose. Now, Father, I pray that we become fully persuaded of just how good and faithful you are and that the world will see the faith of God that we serve. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.